Okay, well, let's go ahead and get started. You can uh, be turning your Bibles to Acts chapter number one if you have your Bibles with you. May have some others joining us here in a few minutes. Uh, but anyway, before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll dive into our study. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings and we do thank you for the the opportunity to be here and to uh, be in your word and to study and to uh, thank on these things, Lord. We just thank you for the fellowship that we've had already. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you be with our, our meeting here today. I just pray that you would uh, have your blessings upon it, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you guide and direct me, Lord, as I teach. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would uh, be with each hearer, Lord, that they would receive from the service exactly that which they need. Uh, be with those who are unable to be with us today because of work and things. Uh, be with those who are uh, maybe running a little bit behind. We'll be here later, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray, ask you, Lord, just to help us here today, Lord. Help Lydia, she's teaching next door. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with, uh, uh, just be with Melody, she's not feeling real well. Help her to feel a little bit better, Lord. And we thank you so much for all that you do, and least because I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Acts chapter number one is where we're going to be at, if you haven't found your place yet. Uh, but before we jump into there, we'll go back and do just a little bit of review over where we've been at. And so what we've been looking at over the past several weeks is we've been focusing on our uh, spiritual health and spiritual growth. And we have a, hopefully as Christians, if you are saved, hopefully you have a desire to become more like Christ, to grow in your faith and to allow him to change and transform us from the inside out. Uh, just the fact that we are saved means that we have recognized that we are sinful, that there is uh, a problem in our hearts and in our lives, and that God is desiring to uh, to make something different out of us. And so we got saved because we wanted to be forgiven. We wanted to be reconciled with God. We want to go to heaven. And so uh, rolled into that, we should be desiring uh, to make progress in that now, right? And become more like him and to fix some of the things that are broken and to uh, transform our minds, renew our minds as we see. Uh, and so what we've looked at is for us to uh, be spiritually healthy, for us to grow, we need to be planted in the right environment. Just like anything that needs to grow, a tree, a plant, anything like that, it needs to be planted in the right environment. It needs to uh, be receiving the, the right nutrients and nutrition and those kind of things. And it needs protection from the things that are harmful to it. And so in our lives, uh, we saw for spiritual health and for spiritual growth, uh, we need to have the Word of God. We need to be reading God's Word and understanding it and seeking to uh, learn and to grow from it. And I've I've tried to emphasize all along that we're not doing this out of duty. It's not, okay, I've got to do this. I'm going through a checklist. I'm going through rituals. And somehow this is magically just because I do this, it's going to do that. But instead, we're taking it in as uh, nutrients for our body. It is putting us in a right environment. And so we're reading the Word of God, not because we have to, not because it's required of us, not because God's going to be mad at us if we don't, or because the pastor's going to check and see how many chapters we read. But instead, we're reading the Word of God saying, okay, uh, I want to get to know my Savior. I want to see what He has written to me. I want to know more about who he is, what he's like, what he desires of me, what I have to look forward to, right? And we see all these things in the Word of God. And as we are reading through the Word of God, if we are reading it with the right heart toward God, with 
a, a desire to learn and to understand, then God is going to use that to transform our thinking, to uh, transform our desires in our heart. It's going to cleanse and purify us from unrighteousness. It's going to give us different perspective, different desires. And all of these things are going to happen within us, and it's going to be much more organic, much more natural. As we're reading it, the Lord is going to be doing that work. It also uh, provides for us uh, ammunition whenever we go through trials and difficulties and temptations. It gives us what we need to help uh, protect us and guard us. Almost, uh, we talked about Melody having her immunizations here recently. Uh, it's almost as if we are uh, gaining an immunization to some of these uh, things in this world that is going to cause us uh, to stumble, to have problems, to have uh, uh, bad spiritual health, if you will. Okay, And so the Bible is necessary. And if we can get the right perspective about God's Word and see it as something that is good and healthy and helpful for us and get a good relationship with the Word of God rather than saying, okay, i got to read my Bible today, uh, then that's going to promote spiritual health for us. The second thing that we looked at is that we need to uh, have a prayer life. Uh, prayer is not uh, rituals. It's not uh, memorized repetition of going through the same thing over and over again, reciting our Father which art in heaven, all these things. It's not going through and just doing it mindlessly, but instead engaging in conversation with God with our heart, our soul, our mind. Okay, And so we are taking our cares and concerns to Him both about ourselves and about others. We're taking every problem, every anxiety to him. We are seeking his guidance and his will. Uh, we come to him in prayer, and it cleanses us from guilt and unrighteousness. Whatever we sin, that separates us between or separates us from God. Not because God kicks us to the curb, but because the guilt comes between us and God. But whenever we come to him in prayer, we have learned from his word that whenever we pray, he will forgive us of our sins. And we know that the the guilt and that separation is uh, resolved there, and we can continue to walk with Him, continue to grow. And so we need to uh, have an active prayer life in order to be uh, spiritually healthy. Third thing we looked at is that we need uh, church and Christian fellowship. Uh, we can't be in this thing alone. And so we uh, help one another. Uh, others help us. We help others. We uh, cooperate together, encourage one another, edify one another, learn from one another, come to church and you learn from the, the scriptures and the things that are brought out in the classes and in the preaching. And on top of that, it gives you a place to belong, a place to serve, a place to use your spiritual talents and gifts and abilities that God has given you. should be a place of recharging, of help, uh, a place where we can uh, bear one another's burdens. Okay. And not just church, but I said spiritual or uh, spiritual, excuse me, Christian fellowship. That's what I said. Christian fellowship. We need to have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can walk with throughout the week as well. People that we can be in communication with and talk with and help and encourage. Because honestly, all of the junk that we are subjected to throughout the week, we need others who are uh, like-minded to encourage us as we go along. Uh, we said after that, we need to be managing our influences. We need to be gatekeepers in our lives and paying attention to how the things that we are surrounded by is affecting us spiritually, mm -hmm. affecting our heart, affecting our minds. And so as we are constantly bombarded by ungodly influences around us, uh, whether it be media, entertainment, 
friends, coworkers, uh, different situations, even going to the the different shops and things, the things that you're going to be seeing in your lives. You need to manage, you need to moderate those kind of things and say, okay, uh, is this helpful or is this harmful? And the things that are harmful, you need to, as much as you can, to stay away from those. You realize that you don't have coworkers that are ungodly. You can't quit a job just because of that. But you can also uh, uh, choose how closely you hang out with those people, right? Uh, You can't escape all of these things, and we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to uh, seal ourselves away on some remote island in a monastery somewhere. (laughs) But we are supposed to, to monitor these influences and not intentionally allow things in that's going to be harmful. I used the illustration where we went over this, that there is a door on my house for a reason. It opens for those that are good and helpful for my family to let them in, and it stays locked for those who are harmful to my family. Right. Okay, and so that's what we need to be doing in our lives is saying, okay, is this good for me? Is this bad for me? And making decisions for our spiritual health, prioritizing our spiritual health. And so last week we were looking at stewardship. And the way that this all plays in is for us to uh, be healthy spiritually, we need to have the right perspective on our lives and on the things that God has blessed us with. Uh, We found out last week, or hopefully hopefully you didn't find out, hopefully you already knew this, but we're not our own, we're bought with a price. That everything that we have and everything that we are is a result of the blessings of God. It's things that He's bestowed upon us. Uh, your time, your talents, your energy, your uh, your possessions, your finances, all of those things are blessings from God. And not only that, but even your life itself is a blessing from God. And so if we see Him as the uh, proprietor and the provider, He's the one that owns me, He's the one that takes care of me, then the things that comes from Him, I can be generous with. I can uh, use them in ways that are... Uh, glorifying to him and that are a blessing to others, knowing that he is going to take care of me. Right. Okay? And so that's how we, uh, as Christians, are to look at our lives, that none of these things are ours. The world says, get as much as you can. This is your life. Do with it what you want. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you uh, excited. Do whatever your desire is, whatever those things are. You do it. You do you, Right? But whenever we realize that we are stewarding God's blessings, we are using it for His glory, and that we serve a good God. We just we serve a loving God, and one that whenever we are using the things that He has blessed us with for His glory, that He is going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. He's going to give us the things that we have need of. Uh, we look at the passage, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So we put the things of God first, and we let him take care of us. And so it is an exercise of faith. Do you trust God to provide and to care for you? And if you don't, then you're going to be stingy with your time and with your talents, with your finances, all these things, and be like a little child saying, mine, Right? But if you say, God's given it to me, you're going to say, okay, God, you've blessed me for me to bless others. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you become a conduit instead of, I think a lot of times we end up like the Dead Sea. Everything flows in the Dead Sea. Nothing flows out of the Dead Sea, right? <laughs> and that's how we often become. But instead, we are a conduit 
that God can cause things to flow through. And he takes care of us. And uh, anyway, don't want to belabor that for too long. We looked at it last week. But this week, what I want to look at is one of the final things. And it kind of flows out of what we looked at last week with being a steward. And for us to be healthy spiritually, we need to be involved in uh, in being a witness for the cause of Christ. And so this week, we'll be looking at witnessing. And the reason why I call this a... Uh, why I said this is, kind of flows out of stewardship is we realize that God has blessed us abundantly and he has given us salvation. And so with that, we want to tell others about that, right? And so let's go ahead and look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples right before he ascends up into heaven. Yeah, Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8. And it says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in, some, in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they yet beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So essentially what Jesus told them here, he says, I'm getting ready to leave and I'm going to hand off, I'm going to pass the baton on to you. Continue doing the things that I've been doing, right? And we find that the church is the body of Christ. We are his hands and we are his feet. We are the ones that are active and involved that he is working through to this day. And so we should be desiring to do the things uh, that he would do if he was here, right? And so I think whenever we talk about witnessing, a lot of times it has been portrayed improperly. And what we end up looking at it as is almost salesmanship. Mm -hmm. We look at it as if we're trying to get someone uh, to change or to uh, join a religion or join a church. But instead, what we are desiring is we have received uh, forgiveness of our sins and a new life in Christ, a new eternal destiny. And we are simply taking and telling others about what Christ has done for us. And so, uh, in a way, we are, uh, well, just the the idea of witnessing, we are telling about what we've experienced. If you have a witness in a court case, okay, you call a witness, the witness tells what they've seen and heard, right? Right. And so what we're doing as we are witnessing is we are simply going out and telling people about what the Lord has done for us and what he will do for them. It's not a religious exercise. It's not something that we're going about doing in order to earn brownie points in heaven or in order to uh, clear our conscience that we have done our religious duties and such. But instead, we find that in the Bible, it is portrayed as being something that flows out naturally whenever we realize what God has done for us, who we are in Christ, that it goes into or flows out of us into the relationships that are around us, okay? And so it's an outworking of what God has done inwardly. And so all the things that we've looked at, we find that religion, and this might be where we go next week, we find how religion corrupts these and turns them into sacraments or Mm -hmm. into duties and rituals and things that we must do. And it actually causes us to stagnate. It causes us to back up. It causes us to become resistant to the things of God. 
and really witnessing has become that as well. And I know even from the uh, the area that I come from, there is the huge push amongst the church, and it's almost like a uh, a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Okay. It's like okay, you have to go out and do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this, and report back in here, and and everybody has to. Um, Everybody has to conform and do things basically the same way. Okay? And I guess that's one of the things that I'm wanting to discuss a little bit today as well is how we don't find the formulaic sense of witnessing in Scripture. Okay? And we're going to see that as we look through this. But as we look at this, I want to, I want to bring out three things about being a witness in this world that we live in and kind of go from there. But um, three things that are important for us, if we want to be a light, want to be a witness, because the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, that we are the salt of the earth. And it says if salt has lost its uh, saltness, its savor, it is worth nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot. And so... Uh, we know that salt, just its very presence, its characteristics, uh, it makes itself known whenever it's in something, yeah. right? You start seasoning food, right? Yeah. And have you ever had food that was way too salty? Yes. It lets you know it's there, doesn't it? Yeah. But you can also tell when it's lacking as well. Mm-hmm. And so we are supposed to be uh, salt in this world, and there could be many different ways that we can take that. But with that, just the, our very, very characteristics, just who we are uh, and what we are, should be, it should have an effect on the people that we're around, okay? It says that uh, we are the light of the world, a city set on a hill can't be hid, that uh, no one lights a candle and hides it under a bushel, but instead they put it up on a candlestick so that all may benefit from the light. And so these are the things that Jesus has showed us there. That's him speaking in Matthew chapter number five, that we are supposed to be like. We are to be salt. We are to be light. And you see in both of those, both salt and light, it is its nature. It's its character. It is what it is that has an effect. Okay. And so the first thing I believe is important whenever we are witnessing, whenever we are trying to be a witness. And by the way, just as a, a side note, I've, I've said this in the past, every every Christian is going to be a witness. It's just whether or not they're going to be a good one. Right. Okay? Yeah. You are uh, a testimony to this world, whether you live in a godly manner or you're not, you are showing people, telling people about your God. It's whether or not you are an accurate witness. Mm-hmm. Okay? But the first thing that I see here for us is that uh, to be a witness, uh, the first thought the Lord gave me is we must be. Right? Be. It is what we are, it is our characteristic, it is our nature, it is uh, our involvement in this world. Uh, we must be in order to be a witness. And that involves how we act, how we conduct our business, how we handle situations that arise. This is where the fruit of the Spirit comes in so much is that uh, God is cultivating who we are, Okay. That's a state of being for those who, you know, for English here. And so uh, God starts cultivating these things in us and changing us and transforming us to make our nature something different so that the darkness is disappearing and that we can become a greater light. 
so that the saltiness is being brought out in us so that we give more of a flavor, a savor, so that we have an impact on those who are around us. And so for us to be a witness, here's the thing. If you are a jerk to the people that's around you, don't tell them about Jesus. That's simple enough, isn't it? If you live your life and you're constantly flying off the handle and you're angry at everyone and cussing and doing all kinds of things that the people around you know is ungodly, don't tell them about Jesus. Just do a favor, keep your mouth shut, pretend you don't know him. Right? Does that sound a little extreme? Because that, that ends up being a bad witness, right? Well, we are always a witness, but it's either a good one or a bad one. Right. Yeah, and so sometimes... Uh, uh, we find that whenever we allow the, the flesh to be in control, and I'm not saying we have to be perfect. Right. Okay. I'm not saying you have to be perfect to be a witness. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect to be able to share the gospel with other people. But I am saying that we need to be mindful of what we are. We need to be paying attention because people are watching us. People are observing, and they are learning about our God through us. Okay. And so if you're down at work or if you're in the grocery store, if you're around your family and you claim to be a Christian, then they are paying attention to what you are. They're paying attention to if there is any light in you, if there is any salt in you. They're paying attention to your character and what you're like, and that's going to have an effect on their opinion of your God. Right. And so uh, it's whether or not it is an accurate representation. Okay? Uh, just a thought that popped into my mind there is, imagine Peter as he was sitting warming himself by the fire while Jesus was being uh, questioned and uh, in Caiaphas's house, in Pilate's house. And he denied that he knew Jesus and he swore with an oath and all of those things that he didn't know him. And all these people around, they said, oh, we know you're one of them. Your speech betrays you. You're a Galilean, all these different things. And he was doing the most he could to distance himself from God, from Jesus, right? And so in that point in time, he was being a bad witness, wasn't he? Yeah. And so I'm just, uh, I'm trying to bring out here that we are all witnesses. It's just a matter of whether we are good witnesses or not. And it's going to come down to who we are, uh, what we're allowing God to do in our lives, what we have prioritized. That's where all these other things that we've looked at so far come into play. Because whenever we're in the Bible, whenever we're seeking God, whenever we are putting Him as a priority, when we're monitoring all these influences around us and making sure that we're having godly influences, we are in this healthy environment then that's going to show out in the world around us. Right. Okay? It's going to change our makeup, our nature, all of these different things so that the light can be seen, so that the salt can be tasted, right? Yeah. And so it's going to come down to who we are. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter number 3, I've got a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture down here. But I've got mainly one verse I want to look at in this. But in 2 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. And so the, the idea behind that is that uh, the Lord has promised that he's returning, that he's going to judge the earth, he's going to reward his people, and it says that he's not slack. People say, well, he's not keeping his promise. He's not fulfilling what he said he's going to do. But it says that he is long-suffering. So the world mocks and ridicules and says, we've been hearing for our entire lives, the Lord's coming back. We've been hearing all these things. We haven't saw anything different. And we see that the Lord is being 
long-suffering. He is being patient. He's giving more and more people the opportunity to hear and to be saved. It says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that is God's desire. He wants all men to be saved. That refutes Calvinism. There's not anyone that's uh, predetermined to go to hell. There's not anyone that Jesus uh, said, no, I didn't die for that one. His atonement is not limited. And uh, along with that, there is not a single person on this earth that he hates, that he refuses to save. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, uh, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So with the perspective that God desires all men to be saved, that we are to be witnesses to them, that he is going to judge, there is going to be a uh, resolution of all things, and he is going to rule and reign. It says, what manner of persons ought we to be? It's bringing our priorities around. It's saying, okay, this world is living for the moment, is living for the here and the now, and for what they can do here. But we know that there is a future. We know that there's things that's on the horizon, promises that God has made, and that should have an effect on who we are and how we live, right? And that's where it talks about what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness. That is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit within us, how we are living, how we are walking, how we are talking, all of these things. Verse 12, looking and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt away with fervent heat. There's global warming. <laughs> Not really. Um, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth, dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for, that should be what our desire is. You're looking forward to these things. Seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom uh, given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do in the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. In verse 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so in that passage, I know I read quite a bit there, but in that passage we see that God's not willing that any should perish, but that he is holding off his coming, wanting more people to be saved. And since we know that he is coming, he is going to... Uh, bring all things to an end. He is going to judge all men, and his desire is for men to be saved. That should have an effect and influence on how we live, how we're prioritizing our lives. And it says that we know these things. We have a knowledge that many people either ignore or don't have. Okay? That doesn't mean that we're some kind of insiders or something on like this, but it does mean that we have been entrusted with something. We are stewards. Going back to last week, right? 
We have been given something. We have been blessed with something. We have been given salvation and this whole world needs to know about it. It's been compared at times to if someone had a, uh, if someone had a, uh, I'm, I'm losing the word at the moment, but anyway, a fatal disease, something that would kill them. And we were uh, aware that there was a treatment or there was a cure for it and that we kept our mouths shut. And that would be, that'd be wrong, wouldn't it? But we know that sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so we want to accurately represent God in a way that people are going to seek him rather than go away from him. And so we look for these things, and he wants us, in verse 18, and this has been somewhat of a theme, but we want to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to grow. Okay? And so all through this, we've been looking at this thought uh, of, in order for us to be a witness, we need to be a few things. We need to be saved, right? You can't tell anyone about what you haven't experienced. You need to be saved. We need to be different, different from this world. Now, whenever I say different, that often invokes the wrong ideas. It doesn't mean that we need to be unnecessarily weird. Okay? Some people have the idea that being different, being a Christian, means that you need to be a lunatic. You need to be crazy. You need to be weird. Yeah, we're not being unnecessarily weird. We're not trying to be, yeah, we're not trying to be weird unnecessarily. But whenever we are living godly, it is going to be different to this world. Whenever you are honest, whenever you are considerate, whenever you are dependable, whenever you are exercising uh, patience with people, whenever you are caring about people, all of these things that we see in Scripture that God causes in our life People will take notice because guess what? That's different. Okay? And so, honestly, just living by the Bible and living in a godly manner is going to make you different enough without it heaping other weird stuff on top of yourself. Okay? And so whenever we make ourselves unnecessarily weird, we're going to drive people away. But whenever we live consistent with godly principles, that's going to make us different And that contrast is going to draw people's attention in the right way. Does that make sense? And so whenever you are the honest, you are the trustworthy, whenever you are the kind and the patient one, people are going to take note of that. They're going to say there's something different. There is a contrast. There is something that is not like the other people that I've been around. And there is a a testimony that I've heard and I've, uh, I've... look back to many times of a man who uh, who was supposed to go into the priesthood but he met a Christian who was living what we're talking about here and he kept looking at this guy and he says he has something that I don't and I want it yeah. Okay, it wasn't that this guy was unnecessarily weird he was different in the right way he was godly he was manifesting these things and so with that It was drawing people to Christ. And so we are to live as Christ. Christ wasn't going about in the world just trying to be a lunatic and trying to be different. He was being godly. Yes. Okay? And so we need to be saved. We need to be different. We need to be godly. The next thing I want to look at here, and I need to to hurry up because I want to have discussion on these things. 
as we're talking about being a witness, being based on much what we are, on this thought of being. I'm not just talking about a um, a lifestyle evangelism. Anyone ever heard that saying before? The phrase lifestyle evangelism. I'm just going to live as a witness so much so that people are going to come to me and ask me about it. You know how often that actually happens? It doesn't happen that often. So not only do we have to be, we have to go. We need to put feet onto our witness and we need to be actually intentional about taking the gospel, the truth, to people who need to hear it. And we can do that in many different ways, okay? Uh, a lot of times we have the wrong idea that this has to fit a certain uh, mold, a certain way of doing things. But instead, we look through the Bible and we find many different ways that people come in contact with the gospel. We find many different ways that people are getting involved in carrying out the gospel. Uh, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, familiar passage of scripture, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word preach means to proclaim or to make known. You're going to preach, you're going to make known with your actions, your attitudes, but also with your words. And so he tells them there to go ye. And so he's sending us out into the world which we live in for us to be, for us to go. We need to be different. We need to be in a way that is going to glorify God and point men to God. But we also need to be looking for opportunities and ways to make him known. Because back to what we were saying originally, this isn't about us getting another notch in our belt. This isn't about us gaining favor with God. It's not about us fulfilling our religious duty. It is about the fact that the people that are around us are sinners in need of a Savior. They have a problem of eternal consequence, and we have a solution they need to hear about, right? And that's going to motivate us both to be careful of uh, our actions and attitudes around them, but it's also going to provoke us to be a little bit more uh, forward with our speech with our witnessing to them, right? And so in this idea of going, uh, there is honestly a limitless uh, I don't want to say method, formula, any of these things, but there is limitless possibilities, I'll say that. There's limitless possibilities for how this works because each and every one of us are different. Each and every one of us are individuals. We have different personalities. We have different interests. We have different spheres of influence, different people that we're around, different likes and dislikes, uh, different uh, peculiarities, right? And all of those things that make us unique are going to fit us for God's purpose and for the place and the plan that he has for us. And so wherever we're at, we're going to be able to find different ways that we can be plugged into this, into this idea of going out and being proactive in telling people about our Lord and Savior and about the gospel. And it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Uh, whenever we talk about being a witness, it doesn't mean that you show up at church at 7 o'clock on Thursday night and we go out and knock on doors and that you being a witness. Okay. And some people, that might float their boat. That might be something that works well for them, and they enjoy doing that, and they have that personality, and it fits with them. 
And praise the Lord for that. Along with that, there's many different other ways that we can be involved. And it's going to be uh, with activities that we enjoy, with the places where we work, with the hobbies that we have, with the people that God has put us in proximity to. And on top of that, he's going to use our giftings, our talents, and all of these things in order to impact and influence. And so part of this idea of going is we need to find what fits with the person that God has made us and the place that he has put us in order to make an impact in the, the people's lives that we're around. Okay? And then the third thing that I want to look at, and then I want us to discuss this for just a little bit. So we need to be, we need to go, we need to send. Okay? Acts chapter number 13, verses 1 through 3 says, Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. They sent them away. This is another way that we can be involved in witnessing and sharing the gospel in this world, is in sending out. Okay? Just as uh, my family was sent out of a little church in West Virginia to come here, we were sent out, right? On top of that, we were also sent out by many churches in the United States that support us and say, okay, we want to see work going on over there. We want to see the gospel going out in Ireland. And so they were sending forth. And we can all be involved in this in using our time, our talents, all these different things, but also uh, the things that God has given us, the people that God has given us and gifted us with, the finances that God has given us and gifted us with to send out others into other places that we'll never go to, that we've never been, to be able to expand the reach because the Lord has said for us to go into all of the world, right? right. So unless you want to sign up for that and start hopping from place to place, we need to be sending as well, right? Yeah. And we see Christianity, we see the church as being a network that compasses the entire earth. Wherever you go, you're going to find people who are believers, fellow Christians, that you can worship together. And so it's amazing how God has a worldwide focus in wanting to see everyone. doesn't matter what ethnicity, what country, uh, what background, what their social status is, any of these things. The Lord wants to see all of them saved. And so for that to happen, God's people need to be, they need to go, they need to send. That's simple enough, isn't it? And so I believe this is essential to our spiritual health that we are involved in this because, for one thing, this is the heartbeat of God. This is what he came to this earth and bled and died for was so that people would be saved. Right. We already looked at the verse, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right. He wants all men to be saved. And so if we are seeing ourselves as stewards of the life and the resources that God has given us, then we are going to be employing those for the things that God desires, for the things that is close to his heart, right? We're going to see the things important that he sees as being important. And I'll tell you, it's going to be hard for us to be spiritually growing or spiritually healthy whenever we are not prioritizing, whenever we are neglecting the things that God sees as most important, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
And so this is why I believe this is such a key part of our spiritual growth. We are going to stagnate if we are not looking out beyond ourselves and beyond our walls here and seeing the need and the people that we come in contact with. If we don't care about those who are around us, if we don't care that people are in need of a Savior, that they are lost and dying and on their way to hell, and that they need to be saved just the same way as we were, if we're not burdened by that, then we are stagnated. We are shriveled up spiritually. We are not healthy. We are not growing. Okay? So we need to prioritize this. So with that being said, uh, it's it's still early, okay? I haven't been that long with this. But hopefully I have provoked some thought here. So I want to look at some discussion about uh, us being a light, being salt, about us going out into this world and being a witness, and about how we can send people and send resources in order to carry this out. So somebody start out a conversation here. I need to ask questions. So you bring out something very important about this, okay, is how we respond to an ungodly world, to people who are hostile toward the things of God, because guess what? People will be hostile toward it. Uh, In this world that wants to, uh, wants everybody to accept them for what they are and wants to deny any responsibility, wants to say that all these things are okay and that sin is not sin, if you stick with a biblical stand, people are going to be offended by it, right? And so for us, how do we respond to that? That's going to make a huge difference about our effectiveness. You're going to either open a door or you're going to shut it up tight based on how you conduct yourself, right? Sometimes it's not always the best thing to argue back if they're confrontational and argumentative. Sometimes that scripture about being wise and not answering a fool to his folly mm-hmm. might come in and it might be better to be quiet and build a relationship first mm-hmm. uh, than to argue back and shut the door completely to where they'll never listen to you again. Yeah. So maybe the, the, the approach that Les took was probably the right one in that circumstances. Yeah, because you can make things heated in a hurry, you right? You can, yeah. And it's but, not always the best way to deal with it. Yeah, with her driving instructor, she's got like seven lessons left. Exactly. You don't want the next seven of them to be hostile yeah, and be able. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and maybe as he gets to know her a little better, or she, whoever the driving instructor is, um, 
it'll the conversation might come up again and it may be a little easier as they get to know Liz and her mm -hmm. personality and yeah. Yeah. Well even with what she was telling me about the conversation before, um he was making a lot of assumptions mm -hmm. about what she was and what she believed and what she was like yeah. and lumping those together. And so sometimes they have to, to, to learn otherwise. Uh, a thought that came to mind there is that whenever Jesus was dealing with the, the religious crowd, he says that he came to call uh, sinners not righteous to repentance, right? Mm -hmm. That he came to seek and to save the, the lost, that those who are healthy in their own mind in that perspective don't have need of a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people, they don't see any anything wrong with what they're doing. They don't have any desire for God or for any change in their life. And guess what? You engage in a conversation with them, you're you're in a losing battle. There's a, a very good uh, this will probably this will stimulate some conversation just because it's controversial, okay? But there is a very good illustration going on right now within Irish news and culture. You've got the teacher down in Westmeath, right? And he is taking a stand against transgenderism, right? But I want to know something. What is your all's opinion? Is he doing what's right? No. He's not going back to the schools for any more problems. He's not going about it in the right way. Okay. His, his, his motivation and his beliefs may be right, but he's not conducting himself in the best way. So he's an example. You can believe the right thing and go about it the wrong way. Yeah. Jacques, if you got fired from your job today, <laughs> you going back tomorrow? And the next day? Yeah. And the next day? But then you become a clown, the right? Way, the way they treated him was wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, that yeah. wasn't fair. Mm -hmm. And I'll back him up on that. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You can see he loves to be a teacher. He enjoyed his work. But mm -hmm. you just feel it wasn't fair the way they treated him. And they're like all a bunch of wolves now. They, mm -hmm. People are making fun of him now. Yeah. But, uh, I just brought some of that on. It is going to happen. Well, they actually it's say that the principal. Nice. They say that the principal of that school is actually the one in the wrong, and he's literally the hangman. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. a new principal so, since the oh, principal that yeah. originally was in few sides to the has story. resigned, mm -hmm. or he's been. Yes. We don't know all the sides to the story. Right. We only know what the media chooses yeah. to yeah. tell as well, and they have a certain agenda to portray right. as well. So, mm -hmm. but his family is a very well-known family, and they're they're known for being controversial. They're known yes. for pot stirring. Yes, and they're known for having their belief system and standing on it. But, and I I agree with everything that they believe, but mm -hmm. I think they're the type of personality that. I've seen it before, mm -hmm. where they don't go about it in the right, in the best way, maybe all the time, but I 100% back his, mm -hmm. his principles. Yeah. So doing the right thing the wrong way? Exactly. Dylan wants to say something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 100% right. Mm -hmm. I think fair play to him, all power to him. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes it, that's their problem. Yeah. Um, the whole... Transgender thing is a delusion, it's an illness. Um, and for us as a society to be believe that we have to follow and accept them for something that's false, 
Like, he's doing 100%. A lot of Christians in this world won't do mm-hmm. what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they just back off. Um, and I just think he stood up where a lot of people in that kind of pressure, mm-hmm. to be honest, would be like, oh, it's okay, I'll just, you know, I'll just take it because it's a huge thing today now. You can't mm-hmm. say one thing without, I don't know, everyone's afraid of transgender or, you know, pronouns, and everyone's afraid of this mm-hmm. false thing. And it's, you know, it's just good to see someone just go, no, that's mad, I'm not going to back down from that. Mm-hmm. You know, you are what you are, and that's what I'm going to call you. So I think he's 100% correct. Okay. Yeah. So... I, I think he's correct. Uh, I, I agree with what Dylan is saying, mm-hmm. but I think he should have just done it a bit smarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because like, we still have to well, show us exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so with that, uh, I think wisdom definitely is one of the big things in it. Yeah. Keeps it sometimes, you know? Honestly, I think he's hurting. He's hurting more than he's helping. And the reason why is he ends up being the the whipping boy. He ends up being the one that is going to uh, paint and collar all of those who are in opposition. And make them look like bigots, religious zealots, hypocrites, you, you know, you name it. And I'm afraid that's what's going to end up happening. But to get back on track here, it comes back to priority. Okay? Do we want our freedoms, our liberty? Do we want the Irish government functioning according to biblical principles? Do we want to set up a kingdom on this earth? Or are we wanting to have an impact for the things of God? And so what is what this is going to do, okay? okay. So what I believe that his actions, his outward actions, the things that he's doing, the way that he is portraying himself to the media and to the Irish public is causing them to actually see the the truth in the right side in the wrong manner and see it as being laughable, okay, and making a mockery of it. And so as we look at it biblically and look and see what Uh, Jesus and what the apostles did in the New Testament because they were in a pagan society. Israel was being uh, oppressed and overrun by Rome. Rome had all of their gods and all of their idolatry, all of their pagan, all those things going on, right? And we don't find that Jesus and his disciples were taking on the social agenda of the day and the political affairs of the day but instead, they were looking at it and saying, "What? how do we approach this in order to bring folks to Christ? Right? And so I can stand against transgender. I can stand against homosexuality. The Bible teaches against that, okay? But it also teaches against a lot of other things, okay? And so to pick that one out and make that my hobby horse, because they have on the opposite side, Right? And we are being reactionary. We are just engaging in that battle 
And what we are doing is we are alienating an entire group of people in which God seeks to save. Okay? And we can project our prejudices and all these things. And yes, the Bible says that what they're doing is an abomination. But you know what? There's lots of other things that are abomination we aren't paying attention to. We pick and choose. And so what we end up doing as we decide to stand on this, we are drawing the battle lines. We are alienating people. We are making certain people completely go the opposite direction and have no desire whatsoever for the things of God. Okay? And so I'm not saying that we go soft on what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's sin. It's wrong. It is. Okay? Is there a way to stand against it? Yes, there is. Is our best way to do it to march against them, to shout them down, to pick out the most offensive thing about them or their most closely held identity or whatnot and attack that, it's probably not going to help out the cause any, is it? And so I knew it would be controversial whenever I brought this up, okay? <laughs> but my desire is to provoke a little bit of thought in how we conduct ourselves, how we carry ourselves, and the impact it has on other people, okay? There are plenty of people who will go to every gay pride rally and march against it and hold up their signs and yell and scream and preach and all these different things. But we step back and we say, okay, is that the way that the Lord went about it? Is that the way the disciples went about it? Is that actually going to draw them to Christ or push them away? That makes a difference, doesn't it? Does the scripture, I'm trying to think where it is and look it up about dealing with those people that oppose themselves mm -hmm. and how we should... I'm trying to... Hang on, I need to remember how it goes. I'm confusing it with... Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I know the passage you're, you're talking about, but I don't know exactly where it's at. Yeah, I'm going to find it now. But I think a lot of the times these battles like this are a distraction. We're engaging in losing battles trying to make a kingdom on this earth, trying to cause society and politics and policy to conform to the word of God, and it's not going to happen because we are pilgrims and strangers here, right? We shouldn't be surprised whenever lost men do what lost men do. And we're not going to be able to cause them to conform to scripture. And so as we march against this world and tell them, that these things are sinful, these things are against the things of God, what they are hearing is God hates me, God doesn't like me, they've been told one thing, they've been, and oftentimes these people, we, we categorize them by their sin. We, I, we make their identity this one sin, and then that causes us to marginalize that group of people. When oftentimes, they are, not oftentimes, all the time, they are a victim of the sin that's in this world and of a common enemy of Satan, and they don't realize it. See, 
it doesn't matter if they're transgender, if their pronouns are they or whatever. I, I, I don't care, and I'm not going to go into their mental illnesses, all these things. But they are a human being made in the image of God, marred by sin and in need of a Savior. And so if I make my politics, if I make my mission their conformity, then i got problems. And so we need to find a balance, don't we, of standing on the truth in love. Very good. And meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves. So two different passages. It's really good. The one that she said, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. And the other one is speaking the truth in love. Never apologize for the truth. But don't weaponize it either. Right? And so we're trying to be a witness in this world. We don't need to be unnecessarily weird. We don't need to make ourselves out in a way that is going to misrepresent Christ. We don't need to be going out and jumping on every bandwagon and hobby horse. Because there was plenty of them in, in Jesus' day. There's plenty of those in Paul's day, right? But Paul chose to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right? And so we're not going to win. The Bible says that things are going to wax worse and worse. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. So guess what? You're not going to stop the transgender movement. You're not going to overturn homosexual marriage. You're not going to get rid of abortion. We know all of those things are against God. The world is against God. And God will set it right eventually. But up until then, we need to represent him, love those that he loves, and seek to show them his mercy and his salvation. That makes sense? I find that as Christians, we, we say in general, it's easy to bash, you know, and, and or think you're better mm -hmm. than somebody else or whatever, okay? Or try to tell, like, the lost, you are this bad, you're that, like that, you're like that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we do it on same. But some do. There's, there's a lot of, especially in America, mm -hmm. you see them on the street corners on that. You know what I mean? Um, instead of going after telling them what, what God says, look, I love you, I, I have salvation mm -hmm. for free, you know, we take the wrong message out. Mm -hmm. We bash the sin. We keep on hammering on that. And hammering on us and hammering on how bad the person is. And meanwhile, God said, yeah, he already knows the guy's bad. Mm -hmm. But he just needs the truth. You know, I understand there's an element of telling him, look, this is where you've gone wrong, mm -hmm. but, in but in love. Yeah. You know? yeah. But constantly bashing somebody on certain stuff, I mean, it's like, okay, you're not going to get anywhere. You're, well, you're just not. And I believe that comes from a place of pride and self-righteousness. And people will say, well, you think you're better than me. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of times we do. Yeah. And that's our wrong. But instead, we realize we are all sinners. Uh, I like where Paul was talking to, I believe it was the Corinthians, and he says, and such were some of you. 
but you are washed, you are cleansed. And so if we put ourselves down in their place, it's, it's hard because of the political rhetoric. It's hard because of the stereotypes and the prejudices for us to see ourselves in the same place. But see, we can hate and despise others just because they sin differently than we do. Because God still hates pride. It was pride, not homosexuality, that caused Satan to fall. You know, it says he, he, he becomes all things to all men. Okay. Don't turn gay. No. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say I, it because I, I know you would. You should, but... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just joking. They do have gay pastors in South Africa, huh? Yeah, that's not right. I know, I'm just joking. No, but what I'm saying is, I, I take that scripture to mean not that he participated in a sin, but that he would... He related. He related. Found a way to relate. Yeah. Yeah. He actually sat yeah. down with them and, and, and spoke to them and said, mm-hmm. look... He didn't like human You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, if you come in contact with someone who's transgender or homosexual, they're going to expect... They're going to expect for you to be confrontational. They're going to expect hatred. They're going to expect those things. And I think one of the best ways to gain ground, if you will, for to have an impact is not allow that to be your uh, your focus. For the love of God, because all, disarm yeah. because, they, yeah, because they already know. Yeah. They already know. That's why they're so confrontational towards us because they already have that conscience in them that lets them know that what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. If we go after them and bash them, and I know somebody who walks down the street and shouts out the scriptures behind them about how they're an abomination, that does nothing to bring them to Christ. It only mm-hmm. makes them hate God more. It does, yeah. Yeah. And so you come in contact with someone that's, that's homosexual and... You try to witness to them. First thing you're going to say is, I'm gay. What do you think about that? You well, know, God loves you too. Exactly. Right? I have two of them in my work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if that's what the conversation always centers around, <laughs> if it's condemnation, right? Right? Because yeah, exactly. the Bible tells us that Jesus came not to condemn but to save. He says those who believe not were condemned already, right? And so are you starting to see maybe a different perspective of how we carry ourselves whenever we realize that we are here as the hands and feet of Jesus, as the mouthpiece of Jesus, as we are given our lives and all the things that we have and that we are in order to represent him to the world? Now, as you read through the Gospels, And as you get familiar with how Jesus interacted with people, I don't see him going up and making a mockery of the people who are in bondage and broken in their sins. Do you know what group did that? The Pharisees. And so the religious guys are the ones that started the fault-finding started finding anything and everything wrong and making it about all of those things and lifting themselves up as a standard and as an example and putting difference and distance between them and others, right? But Jesus, it says, condescended 
to men who are of low estate. And so if we can see ourselves as sinners that are saved by the grace of God with no merit of ours to claim, with no goodness besides what he has, no righteousness besides what he has bestowed upon us, nothing for which we can brag about or boast of, but simply a Savior that loves us and extended mercy to us to bring forgiveness to us, then we look at ourselves on the same level as the sinners around us and say, yeah, you sin in a, a less socially acceptable way than I did, but God loves you and desires to save you just as much as he did me. You think maybe that'd be a little disarming for them? And so I realize when we're talking about you know, the transgender, homosexual, that is a hot topic. That is a firebrand issue, right? And everybody has extremely strong opinions on it. And I don't think anyone would have stronger opinions than God who created this whole thing, right? But what trumps all of our opinions and all of our politics is the love of Christ and the need of sinful men, okay? And so we can't let our hatred and our prejudices alienate people that God loves. I don't think it's the people that we despise or don't like. Uh, like, they're still men and women, and they still have lives and families and mm-hmm. work and whatever it is that makes them happy. But it's not that we, you know, if I see a, a he, she, or whatever, and I want to run over and break its jaw, like, there's none of that hate or malice right. in me to do that. But it's, I think it's the agendas that they push that we don't like. Yeah. You know, it's the, it could be the nicest person in the world, you could have a great conversation with them, but it's what they stand for and how they push it onto you. I think that's what we despise the most. That's what I despise the most anyway. So it's got nothing to do with the person. It's just what they're being fed and what they're trying to just, you know, throw onto you that if, you know, if you don't accept this, then you're this, you know, how could you not accept us or, you know, what's wrong with us? It's like, there's nothing wrong with you as a human. It's just that we have no hate towards you or, you know, we're not going to go and put you on a pitchfork and burn you to death. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to be, you know, thrown that, you know, you have to accept this agenda because everyone else does. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't accept it, you're, you know, you're this, this despised human now. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's the issue. That's what I don't like about it. And on the mainstream side of society today especially the younger youth they're pushing this because they're just brainwashed into thinking mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. this is the right way and how could you not because they're all snowflakes they're all yeah. soft now you know everything mm-hmm. is emotional and everyone's offended so it's easy for them to just jump onto the bandwagon and be like okay yeah no you have to protect these minority of people when yeah. we don't hate them we just don't want to follow what they're doing like Right. So they should realistically have the same respect for our views as well, but they don't. That's the mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't like that kind of agenda. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're not wanting it to be forced upon us. We're not wanting it to infringe upon us, right? And so, just to play devil's advocate for a second, because it's fun. Okay, they say, we say, do whatever you want. Just don't expect us to accept your values and your belief system. And do they not say the same thing to us where we try to be a witness to them? Mm-hmm. So what we have here 
is the world is trying to evangelize the church while the church is trying to evangelize the world. He does. And so this is what ends up happening, and we end up battling one another. We fight the wrong target because he's, he's good at doing that, right? Misdirection, right? And so what ends up happening is we see all these things that make us uncomfortable. We don't like the direction it's going. We're afraid of it violating our freedoms and our, uh, our comfort. We're afraid of it corrupting our families, Right? Because that's what he's seeking. He's wanting to, uh, he's wanting to make it commonplace. He's bringing it into the school systems, attacking from the school systems, making it to where, uh, from a very early age, children are seen as acceptable. It's on every television show, every movie that's coming out. We're constantly bombarded by it. And so here's the thing: we're living in Babylon, right? Like I was preaching on in Daniel, we're living in Babylon, and we're trying not to become Babylonian. And with that, we need to expect Babylonians to act like Babylonians. Right? And it doesn't matter also sometimes. I mean, mm -hmm. sin is sin. Mm -hmm. No matter how big your sin is or what. It's like judging because your sin is different yeah. than mine. Just because I, I'm not that, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean sin, no matter how big, how small, what sin is sin. And I think that's the biggest thing that sometimes we can overlook that and think, well, I don't do that and I don't believe in that, but our own little sins that we do yeah. daily. That comes back to the pride and self-righteousness. Yeah. But um, I think the Bible says that he that thinks he has no sin can deceive it himself. Mm -hmm. you know? I think yeah. that's what we constantly do as Christians have to go back every yeah. day and pray God. Yeah. I think as Christians, we have gotten preferential treatment in the West for so long that whenever it starts eroding, we are shocked and surprised by it. When in the reality, for most of history, Christians have been in the minority. And so whenever we start seeing that acceptance and that... Uh, social morality eroding away, it alarms us and it starts infringing on our comfort and on our security. And I think what ends up happening is we fight against that more than the real battle. Does that make sense? And so we make it more about, I don't want them taking over. I don't want that becoming accepted. But what about all the other sins that have taken over and become accepted? Right, And so we have chosen a different straw man. We have chosen a, a different hobby horse to ride, whatever you want to call it. But in the end, all of it is going about to bring about division, separation, focusing us on the wrong things, causing us to go about things from the wrong direction. Okay, Jesus didn't come to this earth to make all men straight. He came to offer salvation to whosoever will, right? If they accept him, then he can work on straightening them out. Right? So does that make sense? So the big takeaway from all this, I don't want to I don't want it to be political. I don't want it to be okay, us versus them and all these. I want us to see every man that we come in contact with, whether they're straight 
are crooked. <laughs> it's opposite of straight, isn't it? Whether they are, whether they look like us, speak like us, act like us, smell like us, whatever, or not, we see them as an individual made in the image and likeness of God that he loves, that he desires to save. They are corrupted by sin just the same way as we are. We might be better at hiding ours. God may have purged us of some of ours, but we are all corrupted by sin in the same way, and we need a Savior, same way. Satan is the enemy. The Bible says we, uh, we were not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a spiritual battle that's going on behind the scenes. And so if we're busy fighting it out, making it about people and individuals and groups, what we're doing is we're pushing people away from God. Yes, we're going to deal with sin. Most of the time, they're already going to know that their sin is not acceptable for God. And they fear being called into accountability before God. That's one of the reasons they fight against it so much. And so... They've been told long enough that God hates them, right? They've been made feel long enough like the church hates them. They've been alienated by all members of society, and we can carry this over to many different areas, okay? But that's one of the prominent examples right now. And so if the way that we are conducting ourselves and the things that we are prioritizing is causing men to go further and further from God. We need to reevaluate what we're doing. Because our entire purpose as Christians here is not to set up some utopia. Our entire purpose as Christians here isn't to make the world a better place from which to go to hell. It isn't in order for us to cause everyone to conform to our way of thinking. It is to point people to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I have a question, I guess, to the question uh, about the topic we are talking about. It's, uh, it's something that is happening, I guess, outside the church, by many churches, like uh, the Bible church or Christian that believes in the value of Christ. But again, th there is some churches which accept this kind of of, 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 of uprising mm -hmm. being right in letting them say in other words saying yes we are all made in the image of God mm -hmm. so who are we to judge and let them be with us but the man of the my question comes we deal with these issues outside our church Mm -hmm. So the question is that, I think, I, I, I know we spoke about this before. The question comes, when we deal with these things within our church, mm -hmm. how do we go with it? Because, again, we spoke about love, we spoke about all kind of things. Mm -hmm. We don't deal with, with it presently in the mm -hmm. church. So when it comes, one of these people, let's say, <clears throat> to say I believe what you guys believe in, mm -hmm. but that's where I am. Mm -hmm. How do we tell you that? Well, <clears throat> the 
for us as Christians, we're going to attempt to set aside our prejudices and all these things, and we're going to attempt to treat them in the way that Christ would. If someone comes in and is from that lifestyle, then we as Christians, we need to show them the love of God, not alienate them. It's going to limit them to their involvement in this church, right? Because there is sin there, and it's going to be the same way whether you have a problem with that sin or something else. If you're a compulsive liar, it's going to limit you to how much you can be involved in church. If you are an alcoholic, it's going to limit you to how much you can be involved in this church. You can come, you can be a part, you can sit under the preaching, you can be a loved one by the people, but it's going to limit you to how much you're going to be able to be a part of the church with any kind of sin that comes along. And so that would be how we would address that. As long as they were content to come here and they knew what we believed, what we stood on, and what the Bible says, and they were okay to be here and to learn and to hear and be around God's people, then we were going to continue to love on them and be a witness to them, right? If they try to make a, an issue out of it and try to uh, cause us to accept what they believe and try to force themselves on the church and try to get us to bend to their will instead of following Scripture, then there would be a problem, right? Because the Bible ends up being the ultimate decider on doctrine. Does that make sense? It's making sense, but again, I, I think that there have to be fine lines. We, we, we may be soft of, of accepting what, what we believe people mm -hmm. will accept on us, mm -hmm. but it will be difficult. I'll put an example. In my house, for an example, mm -hmm. I would say, I don't want one, two, three mm -hmm. to be happening here. Within my children, my mm -hmm. wife, if I'm married or not, mm -hmm. And then those are the things that are coming in my house, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm becoming soft on them. It means that I, I, I've changed the narrative of, of what I believe mm -hmm. in. So, yes, there may be love on it, and I'm not saying we must go out and be like loud, mm -hmm. we don't like, but again, when you, there has to be a way of dealing with something present mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. and dealing with something that is a little bit away from you. Mm -hmm. So from get-go, someone comes. I'm not saying that's how it's supposed to be, but I believe in you guys. I believe on what you believe, but that's how I am. I guess they're supposed just to be straightforward. Well, one of the problems with that is if they came in that way and they said, I believe just like you guys, mm -hmm. apparently you don't. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if... If they came in and they said in our services, they listened to the Bible mm -hmm. preaching and and all of these things and were able to not let that define. I guess that's one of the reasons why this is such a hard thing mm -hmm. is because that becomes their entire identity. identity. You know, we've got so many different aspects of our lives that don't identify us. Okay. But within that community, that tends to be their entire identity. And if you say anything amiss about that, you are invalidating everything about them. That's where it becomes very difficult, very controversial. And so if you can separate from that, not make that your identity, and come and seek after God and let him work through his word, through his people and things, that's one thing. If you want to come in and make it about that instead of about him, then there's going to be a problem. 
you know, you come in, you bring your boyfriend, you try to cuddle up each other in church. Okay, we'll have to deal with that. Okay? Because it's not biblical. And so you have to call that out. The same way as if Dylan comes in and he starts stealing from the offering box. It's like, okay, we got to confront that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. It's good if it's happening outside the church and there can be limitation of following mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Even though we know there's, a, there's a, again, government supporting these things. As, as government supports Christianity or the matter of faith, everyone to practice mm-hmm. faith the way they feel to practice. So same applies to them. But again, to them it's a bit different because it's like we are minority. We deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. And, then, and we can't run away of it. It's in yeah. churches, in our school system, yeah. it's, in, it's, it's everywhere we live. But again, we just need to have a way of dealing with it far away mm-hmm. than letting it be near to us. I, I guess that's, that's, well, that's what I would say. Bringing it back to Scripture, you find that uh, the disciples and Jesus wasn't afraid to go any, you know, to amongst any people. Uh, they weren't afraid to uh, reach out to any of these people and whatnot, but they still took a stand on what God's word said. And then whenever they had to take a stand, then sometimes they ran afoul of the government and they got thrown in jail because of it. And so it came down to the fact that, okay, we're going to do what God says no matter what anyone else does. And so this is where we have to prepare as Christians, and I think this is one reason we kick back against this so much, is because we're afraid of this, okay? As we see uh, Christianity in decline in our society, as we become less and less favored and Christianity becomes less popular, and sin and wickedness increases, and wrong is called right, and right is called wrong, then we start becoming afraid because we're going to become the minority, and we may have to take uncomfortable stands, right? And we may run afoul of the government, and we may get through in jail, okay? Because, give it 10 years, and they may come in amongst us and say, oh, they are using hate speech, well, I'm reading from the Word of God. I'm saying what God says. I'm speaking the truth. I'm doing it in a loving manner. It's not hateful. Okay? Yeah, I think Romans chapter 1 tells us what the end of that would be. Mm-hmm. That sin and all of that. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I think, you look at it like every time these guys are at their marches and that, mm-hmm. and they're marching, a lot of times they would actually blatantly say at their marches, we don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. We hate God. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you look at you look at that alone. I think the problem is that they don't have God, mm-hmm. and our responsibility as Christians is not there to confront and get involved in an argument. We just say to tell them, "You either accept God or you reject Him." Mm-hmm. One of the two. I can't make you accept Him. I can't mm-hmm. make you do anything. And leave it at that. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we think it's our responsibility to save them, and that's not. And that's an excellent point. You know? Because even with what it says there, it says go and preach the gospel. Yeah. And that's it. We sow the seed. We leave it up to God to 
to germinate it and bring our, bring about fruit, right? And it says some sow, some water, but it's up to God to give the increase. And so what our responsibility is to make uh, make the word of God known. And it's not necessarily to uh, go out and confront every every wrong in society, but it is to make every person in society aware that salvation is available. And so we are not the Savior. We can't argue anyone into heaven. We can't force anyone to be saved. But what we can do is we can preach the gospel and we can live Christ-like in this world. And with Jesus, whenever he was in this world, there were lots of people who hated him. He got crucified. Right? There were lots of people who didn't believe and rejected him. Do you think you're going to have a better track record than Jesus? No. And so we go, we proclaim the gospel. We live in a Christ-like way. And those who are willing to accept him will. Those who are going to reject him, honestly, there's not a thing you can do about that. Okay. But we're well over our time. I had to throw that little bomb out there just to make things go down now. Okay, so let's go ahead. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. We'll take a break. And uh, I will attempt to make the next service shorter. How about that? Dear Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your many blessings and thank you for all that you do for us. And we just pray, Lord, ask you that you would help us, Lord, to uh, meditate on these things and think on these things. Lord, help us to search our own hearts, Lord, and to have the right uh, right heart, the right uh, motives on these things, Lord. And I just pray that you would uh, help us to see the people around us as uh, sinners in need of salvation, the same as us, Lord. And Lord, that we could preach the gospel and allow you to do a work in the hearts and lives of men. Lord, help us to represent you. Help us to uh, represent you a uh, accurately. As I said, we are all witnesses, and some people aren't being good witnesses, Lord. And Lord, I just pray, ask you just to help us, Lord, that we can uh, just be salt and light in this world you've put us in. We thank you so much for all you do. And all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>